the book is for anyone, you know, anyone that's been pregnant, given birth, you know, um, whatever their stage is in terms of whatever the age their children are or, you know, whatever their gender expression is, etc. Yeah. So it's for anyone that's gone through that process or if they identify as a mother. You're listening to The Mother of All Solutions, stories from mums as they navigate their return to work. With me, Laura Broderick. Welcome to the Mother of All Solutions podcast for Sunday the 21st of November 2021. I'm very happy to be interviewing Laura Godfrey Isaacs, who's an artist midwife, and I'm here in her home in Camberwell, in her creative space, in her studio. So welcome to Laura. Hi, Laura. Thank you. Not always nice to be interviewed by another Laura. Yes, exactly. Double Laura Whammy. <laughs> And I'm going to talk about something that another Laura told me about. So, you know, we'll just get all the Lauras in in this episode. We'll just I was get once I was once on a shift with four Lauras. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. How did you differentiate surnames? Uh, yeah, maybe I won't go there. No, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's midwife chat, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so Laura, you started to, to give us some of your personality through that, that conversation. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? more formally yeah sure so um i am a community midwife working in london um but i came into the profession quite late so i actually trained when i was 47 so i've been working for five years as a midwife um and before that i had a couple of other um manifestations yeah. <laughs> um because i originally trained as an artist and worked as an artist and as a lecturer and then moved more into producing and set up and run mm. a company called Home Live Art that originally started in my house, actually. Okay. Um, and we created lots of events and festivals and um, worked a lot in a community context, but also a lot with live artists. So Fantastic. lots of performance work, quite radical work. Um, so, yeah, and then I t- decided, you know, as I said... A while ago to then shift into working as a midwife or training as a midwife wow i was one of my questions has already been asked answered i was going to ask you about that your social media profile highlights you as an artist midwife and i was going to ask you which comes first to be artist or yeah. the midwife and... well i put artist and midwife because obviously i was an artist first mm. and i realize now in a way only in retrospect that even though I stepped away from being a practicing artist for quite a long time, initially being a producer and then, Mm. you know, training to be a midwife. Actually, I think now that I've never stopped being an artist Mm. in the way that I think about the world and the way I kind of approach the world, my kind of visual sense and sensibility um, and the way that I kind of put things into context. I think I'm Mm. still very much an artist, but in a sort of expanded field. Um, And then with maternal journals, we're going to talk about in a minute, Mm. that's in a way come back to more of my sort of producing role of kind of, you know, creating community um, projects using art as a sort of powerful tool Mm. um, for lots of kind of, in a way, social as well as creative outcomes. Um, And then, you know, as you said, we're sitting in our studio and I've actually started painting again and drawing. Mm. um, For yourself. Yeah, Mm. alongside a sort of developing writing practice. So now quite, you know, surprisingly for me because I am dyslexic, I've actually started writing a lot more, so sort of blogging, Mm. writing articles, and then have felt that I wanted to, in a way, illustrate those with some of my own sort of drawings and paintings. So, yeah, I'm in a bit of a sort of um, 
transition stage at the moment yeah. with sort of everything kind of on the table. <laughs> no, it's great. You're a polymath, right? This is it. <laughs> so, so this this journey um, to be well, we're going to talk about maternal journal specifically. That's like the focus for us having the conversation. But it's just great to get to know you a bit better with the the context. You came to midwifery later, as you've explained. Your artistic practice has not stopped. It's kind of now merged into. Yeah who you are and um, but what led you into midwifery was that prompted by certain experiences or interests um or? I think it's I've been asked this question so many times it's fine no 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 it's interesting because in a way I've sort of thought more and more about it because mm. it comes up a lot yeah and I think it is as with most big decisions in your life you know kind of multifactorial there mm. were lots and lots of reasons and you know some of those were kind of professional if you like and some were Mm. personal so I think the professional ones were that I've had this kind of um, stream or this kind of concern um, as a a feminist Mm. all the way through my life so when I was a practicing artist you know my practice was very much about looking at how particularly the female body Mm. is depicted in art and you know in my own practice and historically and my teaching you know as a lecturer was also around that and a lot to do with the body Mm. um and then I think you know personally I've always had a very strong kind of sense of being a sort of intersectional feminist and it's very important to me you know intellectually but also in my own life you know the personal is political and how you lead your life um and then I think personally I've had two, myself, very, very different contrasting births. Okay. Um, So I had a first birth that was incredibly empowering and really, really amazing. Um, And then my second birth, which was equally amazing in terms of it being a miraculous outcome, but was very, very different because it was a very medically managed pregnancy. Um, My daughter had... um, you know some medical issues and so mm-hmm. the way that pregnancy and the birth came about was very very different and then she was in the neonatal unit for six weeks and yeah, so oh I had the sort mm-hmm. of really interesting kind of full range of experiences yeah. in some respects yeah. from the most kind of you know normal birth that was very empowering to the most medically managed but also yeah. you know very grateful for that because she without that attention she probably wouldn't have survived or you Mm. know whatever so um I think those experiences plus just being a mother you know um I was my youngest daughter was 10 when I went into midwifery um so I think just being a mother and having had those birth experiences and then I started um doing some volunteering for like bliss okay the bliss charity for premature babies because obviously I'd had that experience myself she was born prematurely mm. um I don't know I, so I think those things kind of came, came together. together okay plus wanting to have a shift in my life you yeah, know and yeah. so I said at the beginning that I originally trained as an artist then sort of stopped really practicing as an artist became a producer set up a Mm. company so I'd already had that experience of actually doing a career change Mm. and it was a very positive thing so I felt again this motivation that I wanted to do a shift and this time a a bigger step Mm. into a very different kind of role plus I think being older feeling that I wanted to be in a more sort of nurturing caring role okay so all sort of just came together and I thought midwifery somehow seems the place to go yeah. and I think I was right you know I, I think it was a good decision yeah and it's super interesting hearing how those birth experiences also shaped your decision I mean I've got two children as well um and the flip 
with your experience, I had the med- very medicalized, controlled my daughter. We weren't in his hosp- in hospital for as long, but for five days after she was yeah. born, we had that very, yeah, as you say, yeah. interventional yeah. medical process. Mm-hmm. And then my second child was much more that what you would call the empowering normal yeah. birth. And so yeah. those experiences I've had have definitely shaped who I am. And it must do yeah. with all mothers however you come to have your child and yeah it does doesn't it anyhow I I think that's absolutely probably part of what maternal journal is about which we're also going to talk about so you have this super interesting career and your perspective on artistic practice production and midwifery supporting women from a feminist viewpoint whether that's in the medical setting or through artistic practice and feminist practice Let's get to Maternal Journal. Tell us about the book that you have recently launched and what it's all about. Yeah, I mean, that's, again, I can't believe because I'm dyslexic that I've written a book. Though, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I co-wrote it with uh, amazing Sam McGowan, who is a communications producer Perfect. and a mm. content producer, amazing woman, yeah. um, who I met through the project, which yeah. is also a really lovely sort of way it's evolved. Mm. So, yeah, I mean... Four years ago, there was this little grant I saw, um, which was for academics at King's College London to work with artists around anything to do with mental health, the brain, or neuroscience. Amazing, yeah. Um, called Arts in Mind. Okay. Um, and I put forward an idea. I had this idea of a maternal journal. I was sort of interested in the idea because of my background, you know, of trying to find a way to support mothers creatively. And I know from my experience how creative work can be so um nurturing mm. and it can build self-esteem it can build connection yeah um and I we agree. also know yeah. Yeah, yeah from a lot of research yeah. that it can in that way have a very positive effect on your mental health and well-being mm. so this idea of sort of journaling and this kind of catchy phrase maternal journal kind mm. of seemed to be an idea that i wanted to develop and so fortunately mm. i got the funding for that Mm. did a pilot um and the idea was that it was a workshop format okay so it was actually five weeks initially so the workshop format was that people would come together as a group up to 15 mothers or people that were pregnant um and we would journal together Mm. so i commissioned artists um to create journaling guides so they would take the participants through how to create maybe a poem or a piece of writing a collage a a piece of drawing in their Mm. in their journal Mm. um and then we would share what we'd made in the group Mm. so you had the mechanism of trying something out you maybe hadn't done before guided by an artist then you had the experience of then sharing that with others getting support empathy yeah understanding hopefully of your own situation and others yeah um and that just worked really really well as a format so that's really how it started um and then what we what we did subsequently was to commission more guides set up a website so that all the guides are there free for people to try we've got a whole toolkit about if you want to set up and run a maternal journal group so we now have groups all over the world being run by artists midwives doulas others that have the experience and they follow the format um, and yeah, it's a very simple format, but it seems to really work. Yeah. So it's kind of gathered momentum. momentum yeah, yeah. And we see it now as this kind of movement. 
Um, Especially if it's gone international and it's not just your kind of London focus. Yeah. That it had been that it's been well, the taken I- on. Yeah. The idea with the toolkit was, and all the free guides, was that we wanted to democratise the mm. project so that anyone that had the experience, you know, they'd run groups before, they know mm. how to run groups, mm. and follow our format, so look at the toolkit with all yeah. the step-by-step guides and everything, and yeah. guidance, and then all the guides are there free to download, yeah. then anyone can set up a group. So yeah. we've got groups in Argentina, in America, in Europe, Australia... Mm. Um, and obviously lots in the UK Um, and then it kind of seemed the next step to maybe compile that into a book like a companion Mm -hmm. so there are other kind of um, creative guides things like um, the artist way and Mm. you know you might know of other guides so we sort of thought it would be really great to bring it all together in a book it's like Mm. a book that you can use at home on your own to journal um, if you want to set up a group, you've got it there also as your companion um, and you can dip into it however you want. So we also took the opportunity to um, commission some new guides. So we've got some like really brilliant new guides that aren't available on the website, but only in the book. Yeah, so, so you've got some special content yeah, for the book. Yeah. yeah. And actually it's really nice. I, I mean, I get content from lots of different places as probably most of us do you know whether it's listening to podcasts or reading a book or downloading things it's nice to have the option but it's also nice to have something physical isn't it that you can flick through and make notes in and you know just to have ownership of and I suppose to support your journey in the journaling as well like the companion guide absolutely and then mm. you know we took the opportunity also to you know write a bit more about like the history of journaling you know about how journaling you know can affect your mental health and well-being there's like an extended sort of reading list and you know we've also got some really great what we call art inspirations in there so quite a lot of the guides the artists that have created the guides, we've also they've also allowed us to produce, you know, reproduce one of their artworks, whether that's a poem or a piece of visual art. Yeah. So there's also kind of like inspiring things to look at in the book, which I think is super helpful for people that maybe feel a bit nervous about yeah. a kind of creative process, or it might be the first time they've journaled, or yeah. you know, that kind of giving some inspiration, and yeah. some ideas, and yeah, yeah, no, it's fantastic. I mean, I've um not started doing any of the activities but I've had a a good look through and it's also I mean it's interesting because I've trialed some of these sessions and followed your toolkit process and I find this way of working quite empowering for me Mm. for my mental health and well-being and all those things you've touched upon but you do also find that some people who've maybe not done as much of that creative process before it can be quite daunting but this is genuinely for everyone this is not just a kind of a bubble of you're you are an artistic person you're labeled that way therefore you can do this and there was one um early on is your introductory pages to maternal journal I just thought I would note because I think it helps people understand that this is available for all people it's it, it should be something um, so a blank page of paper can be a bit daunting, right? So you talk about four things that could be useful in journaling at that kind of starting point. And one is about building layers. And you say here, it can be hard starting with a blank page, which is very true. Yeah. Um, so if you're stuck, you could try planning, painting a whole page one colour or sticking down pictures from a magazine. So that idea that you're not focusing on the end result, yeah. you're just starting a yeah. process of mark making and putting colour and image I really liked and recording how you feel is the second point you make which again you know 
trying to put that on a page yeah. I think is quite mm. useful for people mm. instead of keeping it in their own head mm. and hearts yeah. and <laughs> yeah. just getting it down and um, finding inspiration is your third point so looking around you um, sort of making notes of what you see the inspiration doesn't always have to come from within you it can come from around you I really like that point and then adding to your journal with small drawings and pictures so that idea of doodling and colouring in and getting started can be quite meditative in its own right and yeah. um, so I thought those four points I just really liked for people who maybe hadn't journaled before or didn't sort of feel like they came from an artistic yeah. practice yeah um so it's great that's great and then how are you feeling about it now it's finished are you like nervous excited yeah no I mean just to pick up on what you were saying yeah. there I mean we definitely have you know our intention is the book is for anyone yeah. you know anyone that's been pregnant given birth you know um whatever their stage is in terms of whatever the age their children are yeah. or you know whatever their gender expression is etc yeah so it's for anyone that's gone through that process or if they identify as a mother mm. um in any way so and it's definitely mm. for not just for people that have a you know an interest or I would have thought you mm. know people often are drawn to things like yeah. this because they have an interest but yeah. what I find a lot in groups is and I say this a lot, is people have been told, probably at school, yeah, oh, yeah. you can't draw, or oh, you're not a writer, or some kind of derogatory yeah. comment about their creativity, and it's caused them to just completely Put shut that down. Yeah, yeah. And then they felt, oh, that's me done. Yeah, The arts is not for me, I don't yeah, have any yeah. talent or something. But, you know, I totally dispute that. Yeah, I, I believe yeah. that everyone is creative, yeah. And, you know, everyone should have access to being creative because mm -hmm. I think it's a fundamental human right, actually, yeah, yeah. and incredibly important thing about being human. Yeah. And But it can take any form. Oh. You know, there's a lovely um, piece of reflective writing there by mm -hmm. Badisha, who's an amazing writer and journalist who's mm -hmm. done a guide for us. But her, we've also, in the book, have these um, reflections from people about creativity and mm -hmm. motherhood particularly. And she talks about, you know, being creative can be anything. Mm. It could be writing, drawing, yeah. as we conventionally think of, but it can be cooking a meal, it can be gardening, it can be, you know, creating a greetings card for yeah, someone, you know, it yeah, can be yeah. singing. It, it's like being creative is such a broad field. Yeah. And that's why what we tried to do in a project is commission guides from a very broad range of people and a very broad range of sort of genres yeah. so you can get introduced to you know poetry writing mm. collage all sorts you know there's dancing guides yeah, there yeah. you know so that the idea hopefully is that you find the way of journaling that suits you yeah so you might have never written a poem. I mean, I'm not a poet. No, me neither. And I like to be, though. I really enjoy doing <laughs> yeah. the poetry guides yeah. because it's a form that I'm not that strong we maybe or do familiar some with. Yeah, help each other out, right? You know, and, and it amazes me that I do. Mm. Maybe you know the poet Holly McNish. Oh yeah. Who's amazing? You know her Fantastic. her guide. The first guide in a book, actually, uh, my list poem. Mm. You know, I've done that many times when I've run it as a workshop, and mm. you know, I end up writing a poem. Yeah. Everyone in the room ends up writing yeah. a poem, whatever their experience. And I think that's what we hope with the guides is that mm. you're led step by step by mm. these very experienced, very wonderful people to your own creativity yeah, yeah. and then hopefully if you do enough of the exercises or follow our tips or however you choose to dip in and out of yeah. the book you find your own creativity and your own find mm. you find your own way to journal yeah. and that's really the intention is that long term people develop their own practice of journaling mm. so it's not just about 
coming to a group and that's the end of it hopefully then they take that forward yeah and that list poem guide that you mentioned of Holly McNish's is full of humor as well isn't it so like you know she gives you some steps and you don't have to write a poem as a whole you write like little segments of ideas and then you exactly collage of the words well she gives you prompts so she says you know write a sentence about socks yeah yeah I love that one you know write a sentence (laughs) using swear words of your the best bit of your body you know or write a piece of really good advice someone gave you when you were pregnant and then write a really bad piece you know (laughs) so yeah she's very playful um and you know they're all things that we all have a relationship to socks of one sort or another you know so yeah she leads you into it in a brilliant way yeah and so there's that within that scope of the journaling process, you know, there's those humorous moments, there's those deeper moments, there's like definitely breadth there, isn't there? Mm. Um, well, fantastic. So pleased it exists. <laughs> Thank you. Congratulations to you and Sam for getting it, getting it out there. Um, one of the things I did want to just chat, well, there's lots of things I could chat to you about, but um, I have been reading a book recently by Deborah Levy, and it was given to me by another Laura. You know, I mentioned there was a Laura going to pop in, <laughs> and it's called Real Estate, and she actually reflects on lots to do with womanhood, motherhood, in that that story, in that book. Um, but she talks about what does maternal actually mean, mm. And I thought that might be quite interesting just if you're happy to have a little conversation about sure. that because obviously Maternal Journal's a great title. Um, but it's that idea of the word itself can also cause mm. some barriers to people, can't it? Um, so I'm going to read out just a, a little sure. bit and then if you, let's see how it, what we think together. Um, so this is for Deborah speaking. What does maternal actually mean? If it implies comforting, protecting, teaching, nourishing, encouraging, uh, lying, being the anchor in the storm of life, always being there. It is a tough call on any character to fulfil this roll call of qualities. And it... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that this runs through the book and the whole project is, Mm -hmm. you know, being a mother, being a carer... Mm -hmm is incredibly tough, Mm. you know, because of those expectations Mm. that society places on us, the expectations we then internalise and Mm. place on ourselves, Mm. and then actually the reality of the lack of support, Mm. and they're also often very um, kind of punitive sanctions against people that don't Mm. somehow live up to those ideals, Mm. Um, you know, again, in the media and Mm. within ourselves, so... um, the reality of being a mother, being a carer is really, really tough. Mm. And I think many of the exercises, you know, cover that and Mm. they talk about it. And certainly in groups, we very much um, support the idea that this is a safe space where you can say anything. You can say that you're having an awful day. You can say that you're Mm. not enjoying being a mother at this time. You're saying, you Mm. can say that, you know, some of those things Mm. that are really, um, you know, taboo. Yeah. Uh, so that's the sort of space that Maternal Journal is. It's mm. a space, it's not about the sort of, you know, idealised or mm. insta-mum kind mm. of space where everyone's comparing themselves and there's competitive parenting mm. and there's some idea that we all have to live up to this ideal, this perfectionism, mm. which is completely unachievable. It's about the real experience. It's about sharing that and supporting each other within that mm. Um, so yeah, I think it's a very contested word. Mm. It's a very contested space. Mm. And I think our, 
you know, project and the book and all the guides and all the people that we, you know, commissioned to make the guides are mm. looking at it from that perspective. Yes. Yeah. The real and the uncensored mm. and the desire to support people where mm. they are rather than set them up to fail. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And I think that's great. And obviously with the podcast with Mother of All Solutions, my focus is about motherhood and work together and that sort yeah. of balance but that has also I mean this is a, a slight tangent but that's also creates a awkward headspace for a lot of women it brings on anxiety it brings on feelings of low esteem it can also yeah. bring on feelings of worth if you do succeed and everything goes well you know it can, but it can bring on a you know, a plethora yeah. of emotions that I think journaling can also respond yeah. to. So I think there's actually something in not just the maternal role of care, but you in that space and how you live your life. But, yeah, I mean, we yeah. definitely examine within the guides and the groups and the discussions also that those kind of cultural stereotypes, mm. the sort of frameworks within which we're working. Because mm. I think, you know, Unfortunately, we live in a society mm. where the responsibility is placed very much on the individual, mm. and yet we are working within frameworks, within you know mm. structures that um, you know are not supportive mm. of mothers, and particularly mothers from minoritized mm. backgrounds. So, particularly black, brown mothers, um, parents from the LGBT plus community. So, in our book and in the project we use very inclusive language Great. we commission guides from very broad range of people yeah um in order to also recognize that a lot of the narratives of motherhood in our society are sort of you know white and heteronormative yeah. and middle class yeah um and also um i have an ableist yeah yeah come from an ableist um, mm-hmm. point of view as well so within the book mm. there are guides where people talk about the struggles of having a disabled child the struggles yeah. of having disabilities themselves the struggles of being a black mother in this kind of society etc um, and we have two trans parents as well in our book um, yeah. with amazing guides so that I think is really important as well yeah is to open up these discussions for everybody um, but also to recognize that some people have you know more structural barriers um, and inequalities because of those intersectional yeah you know situations yeah but no it's great that you've got all those voices in that and hopefully people will now work within a whether it's a journaling or just kind of reflecting on where they're at and trying out something a little bit more creative in the future and this prompts that for everyone and not just for a narrow group so I think it's great um so let's move on the book the book is is there so we'll send the links in the show notes if people want to order it by and find out more about you on social media so we can do that in the show notes and but can we just chat a bit about the context in which you're working as well so maternal journals your baby that you've just launched um, and you do talk about that in the book don't you about like artistic practice almost being about yeah. The, yeah. comparing it to pregnancy yeah. and birth and, yeah. and, and I also sort of like that um, birth and beyond slogan as well so you know as a, a kind of mother and parent you're still developing in these oh, God, roles yeah. and these emotions it's and there. I talk about that mm. when I run groups mm. you know talk about 
you know, now being mm. a mother with grown-up children that have just left home, yeah, yeah, yeah. going through the menopause, you yeah. know, but that, I'm still a mother. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. The f- your phase, the phase of your life moves on and your mothering moves yeah. on, you know. But it's still there. Mm. Mm. So with your midwifery hat, as well as your artistic practice and maternal journal, can we maybe just talk about a few things that are going on within your sector as well? Because I know today, the 21st of November, it's March for midwives. Yeah. Um, so I thought it might be useful to reflect on that a little bit. And sure. then obviously the pandemic's not over, but you know things are opening up for people yeah. in a different way again. But there's a, a group who went through pregnancy and birth in the height yeah. of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and maybe looking at what sort of services are coming through to support them I just thought it'd be really useful to hear more from you with your frontline experience Mm. really Mm. so I wondered if you had anything to share and reflect on yeah I mean it's March with midwives not March for midwives no 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 it's just that that's Mm. quite a crucial difference because we want people to be with us you Mm. know um and support midwifery because it's Mm. an essential service yeah you know um and when midwives are leaving when midwives are under stress, mm. um, you know, obviously the support for mothers, pregnant people is is suffering. Yeah. And so it's about us recognising that and coming together yeah. um, rather than it just being about, oh, you know, midwives um, need this, that, the other. You know, yeah, it's about yeah. we're all in this together, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I think it's unfortunately been a sort of perfect storm. Mm. So there are very existing issues in midwifery Mm. um in terms of you know the lack of funding if you look at european levels of funding of health services we are much lower in the uk so historically there are all those issues Mm. um we've had a sort of lack of midwives numbers for quite a few years the royal college of midwives have been you know championing this for years Mm. um and then we've also got a sort of crisis in terms of a lot of midwives coming up for retirement um and then we've got you know now these very very troubling statistics where Mm. apparently of 30 midwives that are trained now 29 of them are not starting as midwives or they're leaving yeah a lot higher than i thought you were going to quote yeah i I imagined it would be high but not so we've got this massive attrition rate particularly of new midwives coming into the service and then leaving uh, very quickly and then at the other end of the spectrum we've got a lot of midwives you know uh, retiring okay. so we've got a big workforce issue and we've got a funding issue historically then overlay on top of that many other mm. issues one of which is the pandemic obviously which mm. has been you know I have to say I've been working all the way through the pandemic it's been mm. incredibly stressful mm. I don't think people that don't work in the health service really understand that yeah. um, you know not only just wearing the PPE and all that kind of stress Mm. but the fact that you know as you were mentioning Mm. people that have been birthing during this time have been under incredible stress we've Mm. had to change the way we work working much you know a lot remotely which is really difficult to adapt to for the people that are having the babies and for us as midwives um a lot of people being very distressed themselves because of the lockdowns and the change in the service so us having to deal with that and trying to support in the best way we can mm. so the pandemic's brought huge amounts of stress plus obviously midwives themselves getting mm. covid and you know their yeah. families getting covid etc um but i think then there are other other fundamental kind of cultural 
issues around the fact that birth is predominantly framed within a medical paradigm Mm. um, and that doesn't really sit very well with midwifery philosophically and ideologically so midwifery is a practice about you know being with women that's actually what being a midwife means with Mm. women um you know honoring the process of birth which is a natural you know physiological process it takes a lot of time Mm. it's very sensitive to its environment so if you're giving birth and you feel frightened or you don't feel cared for or you don't feel Mm. safe that can negatively impact your birth so Unfortunately, we have birth within a medical paradigm where actually medical medicalization is increasing rather than decreasing. Mm. Um, and then when you put on top of that the stress on the medical system, i.e. not being funded properly in mm. the middle of a pandemic, plus the cultural issues mm. of it not sitting well yeah. within that um, culture, then you just have a recipe yeah. for a lot of stress for the midwives and the healthcare professionals, a lot of stress for the women and the families. And you know, that's that's yeah. where we are now. Um, yeah. A crisis point, I think, where there are really, you know, crisis issues with the workforce mm. and um, crisis issues culturally with where birth is sitting. Mm. And I would assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, you've lost midwives through Brexit as well, I would have thought. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's and... another factor. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because actually when I was training, there were lots and lots of midwives from Europe. Mm. And I'm sure a lot of those have yeah. left. Yeah. Or they're not going to now come. Yeah. The ones that previously would have come. Yeah. Because it's a sort of hostile environment. Yeah. So tell me more about this this march today march with midwives and the the asks or the hope that you would like to see come to the service obviously funding yeah i mean it's it's come about quite you know organically which i think the best kind of community movements do it's grassroots it's coming from the people you know it's being led by uh, doulas and birth workers and concerned families it's not being led by the midwifery profession or you know the Royal College of Midwives though it's being supported by the Royal College Mm. of Midwives and the um, Nursing and Midwifery Council and many many organizations within the midwifery profession Mm. now they've kind of got on board which is Mm. brilliant Um, I mean I think it's a massive case of trying to raise awareness of what the issues are Um, and I think fundamentally recognizing that birth is you know one of the most important if not the most important event mm. in people's lives you know mm. everyone is born yeah. and we know from the research that how you are born mm. can have you know very profound effects mm. on your life it can have a mm. pro- profound effect on the person who's giving birth in terms of if they've experienced trauma psychological trauma or physical mm. trauma that can carry on for years afterwards in their mm. life and if the baby also experiences a traumatic birth that can have effect also on its mm. life in many ways um and also as i said the medicalization you know there's a lot of research now around mm. you know what what does it mean if 38 percent, i think is the current statistic where i work of babies are born by cesarean section mm. what does that actually mean for humankind mm. you know babies not coming out through the birth canal not mm. getting seeded with 
the kind of bacteria and stuff they would from the birth canal you know not having that experience of their lungs squeezed and Mm. you know not coming straight onto their mother's chest off you know what does that mean for humankind so I think there are lots of very fundamental issues that need to be understood that actually Mm. birth is incredibly important for all of us because we're all born in the same way that we all die and Mm. there are lots of issues quite parallel issues really about the medicalization of death and the medicalization Mm. of birth and not recognizing the incredibly important you know cultural social spiritual even factors Mm. involved in those two big life events yeah 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 yeah. no it is and the more we collectively think about that reflect on that value the service around that the people mm. supporting that hopefully the yeah the more improvements that we can see in the future and and that's the thing yeah. is you know being a midwife is not a regular kind of job no <laughs> you know it's a really really important job yeah. it's a highly responsible job yeah um and people carrying out that job need to be nurtured and cared for yeah yeah because otherwise they're not going to give good care and that's what's you know we're seeing in reports as well of like not kind care and midwives being under stress um and you know that obviously has a negative impact on the people they're looking after i bet bet. Mm. yeah it does need some work and some empathy doesn't it to to get that right for everybody yeah Yeah. and better outcomes for everyone whether you're working in the service or using the service and yeah because you know there are situations you know the workforce stress and workload Mm. is untenable at the moment Mm. you know people are being expected to work the long shifts which we all know are part of nhs you know Mm. 12 and a half hour shifts but people you know i know it myself when i worked on the labor ward you're sometimes not you start at quarter to uh, quarter past seven in the morning you might not get a break till yeah. five o'clock in the oh, afternoon I do that yeah and this is not a regular job sitting at a desk yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. writing emails this is on your feet yeah you know incredibly Listening, physically liaising. demanding yeah, yeah. incredibly psychologically yeah. demanding supporting people emotionally yeah. and a lot of risk you know in terms of managing risk for not just the woman but the baby you know so mm. it's that is not a an easy position it's not a positive way to support your staff where they're not having proper breaks they're not able to eat properly they're not you know even being able to go to the toilet at times you know yeah yeah no it's tough it is really tough and you know just reflecting on the the processes that I've been through I had a fantastic student midwife who um through UCLH who tracked us so I don't know if that's the right word to use yeah but actually she was such a useful interface because yeah. when it was first time pregnancy a lot we didn't know or understand yeah. and that was such yeah. a useful process to have her alongside us and even though she was meant to be learning for us yeah. we were like learning loads yeah. from her good good um, and then you know we talked earlier on pre-recording about the midwife team who supported me through my second birth so you know it's fantastic resource but something I was reflecting on and you know we won't talk about it too much detail but that um other phase of birth and pregnancy which is when you maybe haven't become pregnant or infertility or loss or things around it and I was reading a little bit online around the new um funding that should hopefully be going towards mental maternal mental health yeah. support services and that obviously that's a result or being pushed forward because of lack of mm. support potentially for women and people that working in the profession during the pandemic when everything was 
pressured and at a distance and remote or without mm. partners in certain mm. situations. Mm. Um, but also I did read that there should be support there for women who want to become mothers but haven't been able to due to infertility or loss. Yeah. And I thought that was really useful because often that sort of waiting scenario, upset yeah. scenario probably also comes into play a lot and yeah actually I'm talking to, be... to a midwife at the moment um about possibly setting up a maternal journal group for people that have experienced pregnancy mm. loss so they have been pregnant they've had a mm. loss um at the moment they're not at the stage of having had um a live birth mm. um and moved into that next phase so I think it's mm. a very maternal journal itself is a very adaptable mm. format and mm. could definitely address some of those issues and there yeah. are guides that we could choose yeah you know that would help with that um and I've suggested um a number of guides to her to have a look at mm. um and we've got people in the book talking about those experiences mm. as well mm. myself I had to miscarriages between my first and second child mm. so yeah I've had that experience myself which yeah. is often you know I think people are talking about it more but yes. again it's often yeah. a subject that isn't discussed very much yeah and yeah and even those situations or spaces that you might be in during that mm. as you reflected on before with the medicalization of birth, yeah. those situations are very medicalized and away from necessarily the empathy you might get from a midwife yeah. you know it might just be a yeah a, you know a sonographer and yeah yeah a, a doctor who's in a rush or you know and so actually there's quite a bit around this whole experience that you're working to support birth and birth outcomes across it's a big it's a big spectrum of support yeah. that needs to be there and I think it's amazing how you combine your midwifery practice and your artistic practice to to help with that so yeah I think I think it's just great. So I would recommend everyone gets Maternal Journal, basically. Thank you. <laughs> and Laura, where can people find out more about Maternal Journal online and through socials? Tell us that. So we've got a website, which is maternaljournal.org, um, where, as I said, we've got the toolkit, how to set up and run a group. We've got um, about 30 guides that you can download for free. Mm. We're also on social media, so at Maternal Journal, but it's Maternal, J-R-N-L. Okay, abbreviations. Some, yeah, because yeah, yeah, someone yeah. else had taken Maternal Journal. How dare they? <laughs> How dare they? So you can find us, we're active, you know, on Instagram, on Twitter mm. and on Facebook. And, you know, we use the hashtag Maternal Journal. So it's really lovely. Lots of people share pages from their journal yeah. or talk about their experience of being in a group. So it's a really nice, supportive yeah. community. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the book is available at all booksellers. It's on Amazon. It's on uh, our publisher, Pinter and Martin, on their website. It's on Hive, which is a independent bookseller's yeah. site. So if you just put in Maternal Journal into one of those places, yeah. you'll find it. It's currently discounted yeah. at 12.35, which is fantastic. Um, <laughs> recommended price 16.99. So yeah, get it in there. Mm. Um, we're hoping people will see it as a nice gift actually to yeah, give to mm. friends or family, maybe that are pregnant or yeah. just had a baby particularly. But yeah. it is, as I said, for any person that's had a baby. So um, I think it's a use, I've run groups where people have, done some of the guides and reflected on births that happened 20 years ago yeah. that they'd never really kind of revisited yeah. and has been very powerful yeah. so I think it's really for anyone that's interested in you yeah. know that area of their experience fantastic and just to end on a, a nice sort of artistic joyous moment you said you're painting again what are you working on so yeah I mean my painting now I see as almost like illustration going with 
the writing that I'm doing. Okay. So I've just written an article and it's also hopefully going to be a chapter in a book um, called The Choreography of Care. Okay. So it's thinking about how we interact in the space, particularly in a birth room. Okay. So how we move around the space, how we interact. Oh, wow. Um, the equipment, the all the senses in that space. So thinking about the caring sort of episode really as a piece of choreography oh I love it yeah um, and yeah. so I've done some paintings um, to sort of go along with that of mm. kind of birth rooms and women in different positions when yeah. they're birthing and yeah so it's something that I went to a seminar in 2012 just before I started training mm. um, and this was an idea coined by um, somebody in this symposium and it stayed with me so powerfully that I think yeah. about it a lot because I think actually, like I was saying, birth is very sensitive to the environment it's mm, in and the completely. atmosphere. And yeah. so I think it's very important to be aware of that, particularly yeah. as the midwife, like, you know, even your tone of voice, obviously mm. what you're saying, but how you relate to someone touch, yeah, yeah. you know, um, how you and where you place the equipment in the room, the lighting, you know, mm. all these things can have an impact. Mm. That person is acutely um, aware of things mm. and they're acutely vulnerable as well mm. to those things so I found it a very useful concept yeah. and as I said I've sort of now written um, this piece about it and then got the paintings to go alongside. Fantastic so the choreography of care yeah oh, I look forward to reading and seeing thank the you. results and thank you very much for coming on the podcast today and um, so you've been listening to Mother of All Solutions with your host Laura Broderick and my guest today Laura Godfrey Isaacs and um, thank you for listening if you've enjoyed the episode please do leave us a rate a rating sorry or tell your friends on social media you can find mother of all solutions at solutions mother on twitter and instagram as well or you can drop me a note on email if you've got ideas for future episodes and guests mother of all solutions at gmail.com thanks so much for listening have a good day bye bye